Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 27 of Revelation chapter 11, and we're continuing to look at verse 13. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. We've been looking at this verse the last couple of studies, and we saw that this is speaking of the hour of judgment, the point that the Great Tribulation concluded, and the the point that God began to judge the unsafe people of the world, and he likens Judgment Day to uh, a time of a great earthquake, and the the earthquake is that which ended God's salvation program. It was a spiritual earthquake. And the tenth part of the city fell. We looked at that uh, phrase um, the last time. We saw that the tenth normally identifies with the elect. And, and now we're going to continue and we'll see uh, further that So does the next statement that God makes. In the middle of the verse of Revelation 11, verse 13, it says, And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000. And that is saying that um, in, in the judgment, at the point of the beginning of judgment, 7,000 were killed. Uh, and it was a result of the earthquake. Well, we're going to do with this uh, figure of speech or with this language what we did with the tenth part. And we're going to look at how God uses it elsewhere. And and we're going to find a similar thing. We're, we're going to find the, the same thing that, that um, the 7,000 points to the elect. In 1 Kings... First Kings chapter 19. In First Kings 19, we read early in that chapter, verses 9 and 10, And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of Jehovah came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous. For Jehovah God of hosts, for the children of Israel, have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah was convinced that he was the lone prophet of God, that, that there were no others, he he didn't come across any, it appears. But God responds to him a little later in the same chapter in 1 Kings 19, in verse 18. 
Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. And this, uh, of course, is indicating these men are true men. They are true believers. They are not going to serve another god. They're not going to uh, be involved in other kinds of gospels, is how we would understand that today. Well, this is quoted in the New Testament in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 11, I'm going to read the first five verses of Romans 11. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias? how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then, At this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Well, there there it is. God is identifying the 7,000 who have not bowed the knee with the remnant according to the election of grace. And and so the 7,000 represent those that are elect at least in the first Kings chapter 19 account and in Romans 11, but it's a different story when we come to Revelation 11. The 7,000 are not typifying the elect, just like the 10th part of the city that fell did not typify the elect. Uh, instead, they are typifying the church, which has come to identify strongly with those elect, and and so they have taken the language of a tenth part, and they have taken the language of 7,000 to themselves. And God is indicating through it that the the church, the corporate church, and, and even the most faithful elements of the church that give the closest appearance to the true believers, but are yet not true believers. They have come under the uh, the judgment of God. And actually, they are killed in the earthquake. And this reminds us of uh, Revelation chapter 9, when the third part of men were killed. And, and that took place spiritually on May 21, 2011, when the transition was made from God judging the church to God judging the world. The, uh, the, all those, the third part, which actually numbered around two billion souls, all those in the churches and congregations that remained there during the latter rain period when God was working, saving outside the church, well, when the transition was made and, and the latter rain stopped to fall and the second Jubilee period came to a close and God shut the door of heaven. This 
killed spiritually the third part of men because now they had no hope. They could not have possibly been saved while in the church where they were when God was working that glorious work of salvation outside in the world, saving a great multitude. They were not in the position to become saved. And now that the Lord ended his salvation program and was no longer saving anyone, well, that meant their death. Spiritually, the third part of men was killed, and it's the same teaching here in Revelation eleven thirteen, when we read of the tenth part of the city falling, and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. It it could just as easily read were slain of men the third part. It, it's teaching the identical truth that judgment day killed the third part. It cast the tares into the fire. There's still some hope from man's perspective. There is only hope that for those outside of the churches, the, the people of the world, that perhaps God saved me before he shut the door of heaven. That That is the only hope that remains for mankind. Well, uh, let's just look at one other thing here concerning the 7,000. And we can see clearly that the 7,000 normally represents the elect, but again, not in this case. However, there is something unusual in the Greek text that helps us to understand that the 7,000 are not the true believers. They're not the elect. And that is that there is uh, something not translated in the English. For whatever reason, the King James translators did not translate this word. It's a, a Greek word that means names. And literally, the, the text reads this way, slain in the earthquake, names of men, 7,000. So there's a word that did not get translated. Uh, Again, I'll read what we have in a King James Bible. And in the earthquake were slain of men, 7,000. They left out the word names. And, And yet it's clearly there. There's no question about that. It literally should read. And if you have an interlinear Bible, you can see this. Jay Green's interlinear um, records it, or, or it's in the, the the text, and in the literal translation, he uh, he does record it. Slain in the earthquake, names of men, seven thousand. And what is the significance of that? We know that that God wrote it that way for a reason. Why did He include names of men? Well, it. It reminds us of something that we read back in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 6, there's an unusual verse, a strange verse, that some theologians have struggled with and come up with elaborate uh, scenarios to try and explain. And really, once we understand how God wrote the Bible and um, look for the clues that God gives us. We're able to decipher verses like this, 
But of course, if you don't know how God wrote the Bible, well, then you can come up with all kinds of theories and ideas that are, are, are just, um, they're way out there and way off course as far as finding truth. In Genesis 6 and verse 4, it says there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Now, some theologians theorize and say, well, the sons of God are angels and and they had children with the daughters of men. And, of course, that's impossible. Angels are spirit beings, and they're a different kind. They're a different creature than than mankind. You, you can't have intermarriage between angelic beings and, and men. And so it's just way off base. Um, it, it's not even in the realm of possibility. What God is talking about is those that were the people of God in name. They were descendants of the the line of individuals God was dealing with. And so they were sons of God, and they came in unto the daughters of men. That would be women that were not of that line of individuals that were the people of God, just like in the days of Israel, there were the Jews that were the people of God, and then there were the non-Jews, the Gentiles, that were not the people of God. Just as it was in the New Testament church age, there were the Christians, the professed Christians, who were the people of God, and there were the non-Christians, everyone else, that were not the people of God. And this intermarriage was between those that professed, they said they were the people of God and they came from a family line that, that historically was the people of God. But now at this point in history, the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they had mixed marriages. It, mixed marriage has nothing to do with color nothing to do with uh, race or uh, anything like that. The, the Bible's idea of a mixed marriage is being unequally yoked, a believer with a non-believer. And, and, and then you have an unequally yoked marriage that God warns against because uh, it, it's inevitable that the direction of that family will start heading in the direction of the non-believer. It's not going to go the other way. Typically, it will go the way of, of the world. That When the world enters into the marriage, well, that's what's going to happen. The, the husband, the son of God, the professed son of God, has already shown there's problems with him because he's marrying someone he shouldn't be marrying. And so what do you think's going to happen with the children? Well, the children have at best a weak witness from the father 
and no witness from the mother. And, and so they're going to, uh, naturally follow the lead of their mother and, and as all people are born in sin and that's our natural tendency. Well, what does this have to do with our verse in Revelation? Uh, let, let's keep reading here. When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And the, the word translated as renown, the Hebrew word is Strong's number 8034, and it is the word that uh, I would pronounce as Shem. Shem. It's, it's the word that is often translated as name. Uh, for instance, in the previous chapter in Genesis 5, in verse 29, it says, And he called his name Noah. And called his name is the Hebrew uh, phrase, Kara Shem. Kara Shem called his name. And, and that normally is a clue phrase indicating an immediate father-son relationship when uh, the language of called his name is used. But Shem is name. And in Genesis 6, 4, the Hebrew word translated as renown is Shem. And, and so literally this would be that the same became mighty men, which were of old men of a name. Men of a name. They had the name of the sons of God. But again, it was at a time when there was um, a change, when there was um, a, a dilation or the, the waters were being perverted, the, the gospel was being altered. There, there was a mixing of the purity of the word of God as well as the people of God with those that were not the people of God. And whenever that happens, it's big trouble. And... This happened historically at the time when God had determined to bring judgment on the earth. And it could be a precursor of judgment beginning at the house of God and then followed by the judgment of the world. Well, it seems the judgment of the world in the days of Noah, when God would destroy it by a flood, it was begun when the sons of God began to marry, intermarry the daughters of men. And this brought about the great displeasure of God. So the children born to these mixed couples were men of a name. They had the name. They, they had the profession of their father who was a son of God. And we would say they, they were Christians, just like today. We have uh, about two billion professing Christians in the world. They're people of a name. And that's exactly the point that God is making in Revelation 11, in verse 13, when in the earthquake, and again, I'm going to read this literally, slain in the earthquake or killed in the earthquake, Names of men, 7,000. So the the 7,000, which normally would represent 
the elect people of God, well, they're, they're not there. That was the past. The church is no longer faithful, but they have the, the vestige of it. They have what remains of it, which is the name of faithfulness or the name of Christian or the name of those that uh, once refused to bow the knee to the image of Baal. But again, th- this is the church at the point of judgment that has not only bowed the knee, but they've made an image to the beast and they have worshipped and served the image of the beast or they could not have remained in the churches and congregations of the world. So the, they are not um, the same people as their forefathers as, as we all spiritually, I suppose, could trace our heritage to those 7,000 that would not bow the knee. They... Um, they are our spiritual fathers in a sense, but these individuals, these people that, that were in the churches, they had the heritage, they had the name, but, uh, they were only people of a name. Uh, they were no longer like those 7,000. Well, um, again, God is using the 10th part and the figure of the 7,000 to represent those in the churches that identify with the true believers, and they have been killed. All all the church, um, it's terrible and sorrowful news, but it's what the Bible teaches. The tares have been burned, and so there's no hope the Bible offers at all as far as the possibility of salvation, all that God will allow for people that were in the church at the time when Judgment Day came is that they may request of God that the cup may pass from them. And and that is it. God will permit anyone to pray to him that the cup of his wrath might pass from them and and they can beseech him along those lines, but that is that is all. Well, let's continue reading here and finish verse 13. And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The Greek word translated as affrighted is enphobos. And literally, that's a compound word that means in fear. Um, the remnant were in fear and gave glory to the God of heaven. Well, um, we'll look up uh, the word in fear. We probably won't be able to get to remnant or the idea of giving God the glory during the rest of this study. But But let's look up this word. Now, we know that true believers fear God. And here we read that the remnant were affrighted. And the word remnant also can be used to apply to true believers. But it is another word that can go either way. It, the remnant really means those that are left. And and we'll see that clearly uh, this is referring to the unsaved people of the world that are outside of the churches. And the remnant were in fear, or they were affrighted. Now, the the word affrighted can uh, and has been used in the New Testament to 
describe the people of God when they they saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also used in Acts 22, in Acts 22, in verse 9, when uh, Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus, and then Jesus appeared, and it says in Acts 22, 9, And they that were with me saw indeed the light, and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. The the word afraid is the same word translated as affrighted. They were in fear. Now these men who were traveling with Saul were on the same type of mission to hail men and women who were following that way, the Christian faith, and to bring them to prison and to do whatever they could to compel them to blaspheme. So these men were obviously not saved, and they did not have the same experience as Saul, who later would become the Apostle Paul. God did not work on them or draw them the way he did Saul. And and so we would have to say that these are unsaved men who were in fear. Now it's even clearer in Acts 24 in Verses 24 and and uh, following, it says there, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul, and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered. Now the word trembled is translation of the same Greek word. It's translated as affrighted. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and commune with him. Uh, here we we find that Felix is listening to Paul, and Paul is is preaching the gospel of the Bible, righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, and this causes Felix to tremble. It, it is the preaching of the truth of the Bible that put Felix in fear. And he was an unsaved man. Uh, he uh, obviously was not listening to Paul for all the right reasons. He was hoping to get money from him. And, and, and so, uh, Felix, from everything we read, never became saved, yet he was in fear. He was affrighted at the news of the word of God. And, and that's what is going on here with the remnant. And the remnant, the rest of the men, were in fear and gave glory to the God of heaven. Well, Lord willing, when we get together in our next study, we'll try to discuss this and think about this a little bit more. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.